I am not defending nomad life in these podcasts. Got a little bit of criticism recently from a good friend of mine that I worked uh, in radio with many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, one of the things you learn doing broadcasting is you, you got to be able to take some criticism. I thought, boy, this is a great trigger for a podcast because he was saying, you know, it sounds to me like all your podcasts are the same. You're, you stop defending nomad life. Well, that's not really the intention of what I'm doing. So I had to go back. There's, And if you're listening and you're saying, I don't know if I want to listen to you know, somebody talk about not defending nomad life. <laughs> There's going to be a lot in this podcast uh, that I think is relevant. Because what I had to do is go back and review all my content, which I, you know, I listened to my podcasts several times on several different audio systems to see what they sound like. And as I'm, you know, producing them and every, I know what's in them. And when I'm done with them, I pretty much am done with them. So I know what's, what's in there, but I don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. And I don't, I'm not really thinking about the content so much. So I had to go back to the bobdavispodcast.com and go on there and look and see, well, what, what are the last five podcasts? What have I been talking about? And I found I couldn't disagree more. So we're going to talk about this little experience in podcast 1081, 1081, the Bob Davis podcast, not defending nomad life. It is winter in the desert, and uh, it's not like it's cold like it's cold in the Midwest in the winter. But at night, it does get cold. And after I lay my my memory foam thing down and all the other things that I do to make up my sort of bed for the night. I just went out yesterday and spent a fair amount of money and bought a six foot by five foot wide cowhide, which goes on top of my sleeping bag. And it is, it seals out all of, it's amazing. It's amazing. It looks, it's as big as a rug, but it goes over me. And, uh, I just love it. And I've got it right here and I fold it up and put it on the big bench in the ambulance during the day. But it reminds me how important stretching and moving is at this time of the year. And so it's a great opportunity to talk about BU Enterprises. Juliet is on a mission to help people breathe and stretch. She does other things, but she also does BU Enterprises. And what they do is using, and I'm going to use the right terminology, uh, using various communication systems these days, they create a virtual experience for families, neighborhoods, uh, corporate clients, friend groups, and individuals to help you stretch. And I've done sessions with Juliet, and uh, you know, you think it's you think it's not going to do anything, and it's amazing. So she has a lot of experience. They do all kinds of things at BU. This uh, communications thing, uh, you know, providing people with uh, virtual lessons, so to speak, or sessions, really helps people get back in their bodies and feel better, especially when it's really cold. It's really hard to. Uh, stay, uh, I don't know what the word is, limber <laughs> when it's 40 below zero. So that is what she does. And uh, I've been talking about how they are going to be uh, providing at BU Enterprises uh, soon actual real classes where they t- do Tai Chi and various forms of yoga and breathing and meditation and things of that nature. And I'll tell you more about that as we get down the line. If you want more information, click on the banner at the top of the page at the BobDavisPodcast.com or visit BU Enterprises, B-E-Y-O-U, B-U Enterprises.com. 
so I, w- I wanted to to do this podcast um, while this is fresh in my mind. It's the middle of the day. We got a wind coming up, so you're going to hear the wind. And I love the wind. It's a great sound for me. But my friend who is a broadcaster, and I mean, once a broadcaster, always a broadcaster. I don't care what you're doing now. Once you grow up in the radio industry from the age of 15 or 16 or 12 or whatever your age that you began in radio or television, you're a broadcaster and you're going to see everything through a broadcast filter, no matter what you do. And John's been a good friend for a long time and said, uh, yeah, I, uh, your podcasts make me sad because they're all the same and it makes me feel like you're defending nomad life and I wish you would stop doing that and you should talk about other things, basically. And so I wanted to do a podcast about that. So a couple things. First of all, I'm writing and I've talked about this. I have this writing project this winter because of the fact that I'm stationary and I thought, well, I'll write and I'll do podcasts. It'll be great. And I am writing every day. But it's very interesting, the uh, difference creatively between doing podcasts and uh, writing. Because you are in a different mode. One, I should say one is in a different mode uh, when they're writing versus doing podcasts and trying to come up with content for a podcast. And that makes it oddly different and I'm not going to tell you what I'm writing um, because I think as I said the more you talk about what you're writing the less you write and I'm not going to share it but suffice it to say that it's a narrative and it's um, about things which are difficult very difficult and they're difficult to think about they're difficult to write about because they're very personal so I don't write all day. Like, I don't sit down and write eight hours a day. It's not like a job. You, What I do is I, I, um, I write 10 to 15, 20 pages a day. And I type 90 words a minute. So this, isn't, this is a couple of hours a day of writing. And I force myself to stop because if you're not careful, you'll just write past um, you know, the things that you need to think about before you write about it. So I will write... And I have an outline and I work from the outline and I'll write through the outline to a certain point and say, okay, I've, I've written about this now. I'm going to stop because I want to come back the next day and be able to write on the same subject. And, and I, I say that because everybody has a different creative process. Some people just spit it out. Some people, um, you know, some writers write a page a day. I, I think uh, Ernest Hemingway is famous for writing half a page a day. And I think it was because he wanted a drink. <laughs> so he was sober at that point but after about a page and a half he wanted to get back to the mint juleps or whatever he was drinking the uh what did he drink he had uh if it wasn't heineken's in the morning it was uh uh tom collins or something like that or just straight whatever whatever that there's a caribbean drink that involves lemons and and uh, various other things tabasco sauce i don't know anyway uh, Jack Kerouac would write uh, tons and tons and tons. But the thing about Kerouac is, uh, just if you look at On the Road, he he drafted and drafted and drafted most of the time. There's probably, if they're still around, there are probably 20 different drafts of On the Road with different characters and different uh, ideas. So So he was more prolific, but it took him longer because he was constantly drafting. So what I've done is I've said, well, I'm going to write 
you know, a few pages a day, and it's usually because I type so fast. It's usually 10, 15, sometimes 20 or 30, and then I, I've, I've reached a place where I'm going to stop. But without getting into a long conversation about that, it puts your head in a different spot. Uh, I, I, I find it difficult to think about doing a podcast because my head is in a different space. My, 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 uh, my head is in the writing. It's not in the podcasting. That doesn't mean I can't do a podcast, but when you think about a podcast idea, it's a different creative process. That's all I can tell you. Now, some people can just, you know, poop out a podcast and they don't care. Well, fine. We'll just, I'll get my best friend to come over and we'll talk and we'll guffaw and laugh about stuff and it's funny and ha 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 and we don't care. I, I just can't do things that way. I've done too many podcasts. I've done every creative idea I can almost think of in terms of recording things. I don't record animal sounds. I don't interview quirky people because my experience has been, generally speaking, most people uh, do not make good interview subjects. And if you interview somebody who's quote-unquote an expert, they're just going to regurgitate their crap. And I don't care what it's about, uh, financial, uh, life in general, they're just going to regurgitate the stuff they've been saying everywhere else. So uh, I don't do that. What I do do is try to take things that are happening to me internally and, and try to figure out how to put them out there. And so my podcasts are narratives. And when I am stationary, as I am now, they're either in front of the fire, they're in the vehicle, which is what I'm in mobile podcast command as I speak, uh, or they're doing something like laundry or whatever. That's the background because I'm sitting there thinking while I'm doing my laundry and then I, you know, pull out the recorder and do a podcast. And they're, they're, uh, they tend to be set in the milieu of the nomad because that's what I am. I'm not necessarily saying everyone should do this or, you know, stop attacking me because I'm a nomad. But it is true that family members, friends, and everybody else will often, and every nomad has this experience, it's just people back in the world don't know it. We're all constantly being told, you know, uh, you, are you sure this is what you want to do? How long do you intend to do this? And, and so we tend to, when we're sitting around the fire, we tend to defend nomad life. I don't do these podcasts to defend nomad life. I do the podcast the way I am doing them to, uh, to kind of share what, what uh, this life is like. So if that, if that makes you feel like that I'm defending it, um, I'm sorry, because that's not the intention. I'm, you know, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> that's not my intention to do. The other thing, I want to talk about broadcasters briefly, because I think this is really important. And I, I, this is going to be very uh, uh, arcane, but those of you who are broadcasters will understand what I'm saying. So if you're a broadcaster, if, you're, if you have a career in, in radio or television, I don't mean social media. I mean radio or television. We came up a certain way. We had to fight. We had to prove ourselves. We, had, we were constantly fighting to be better. And you become very defensive if you're a talent, because people are always telling you what you should do. And you become very defensive if you're what we used to call program directors, people in charge of the product, people in charge of what's on the air as a whole. 
as being rather defensive because people are constantly telling you what you should do. You know what you should do. You know, you, 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 let's say you're running a top 40 station. People will say, you know, you guys should, you know, you guys should stop being a rock station and you should do this. Or you should, you should play some, you know, classical music every now and then, just as an example. No one's ever said that to me, but I'm saying they will do that because everybody is a quote unquote program director. And there's a tendency among broadcasters, and I have it too, to be highly critical, especially of amateurs in, uh, in social media, whether it is um, YouTube or, you know, across the whole spectrum, including podcasting. Because the, uh, the spectrum today, uh, YouTube in particular, somebody who's an amateur and is terrible can uh, develop a, a channel with a very large number of subscribers and numbers, which, and when I say numbers, it's the number of likes and shares uh, and views that the broadcaster uh, has never experienced unless they work in network television or at very large radio stations. And those numbers go back for broadcasters a long way because broadcasting hasn't seen the kind of numbers that you see on YouTube and other social media platforms um, ever. And, and even in podcasting, uh, there's more uh, listeners and viewers accumulatively than any broadcaster has ever uh, encountered. And of course, we uh, look askance at these amateurs and, and shake our heads and are kind of jealous because of the numbers that they're able to get. Uh, and we don't, we don't understand why. It's just a different world. Uh, it's been a long time since broadcasters had any numbers to begin with because radio and, and, and even broadcast television are dying. But there's a tendency among broadcasters to be highly critical of, uh, of people because, uh, because we think, because that's what we did. You know, you'd call the guy in after a show and go, yeah, you know, that part that where you were talking about, da, 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 do, uh, you should do it this way, you know, and you should is 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 a is a phrase that is often heard in in broadcasting so i get the criticism then i went back and i reviewed the content and we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast now pursuant to what i was talking about uh the the, the supporting the podcast and clients and uh, all the horrible things that i that i said <laughs> about clients and not chasing business uh I really appreciate donations to the Bob Davis podcast. They really help. There's been many, many people, um, obviously Todd Myers and uh, Mindy Collins and uh, Judy Murphy and uh, Katie Davis and, and, and many, many others who have contributed to the Bob Davis podcasts through the PayPal window at thebobdavispodcast.com. You go to the page on the right-hand side, you're going to see a picture mobile podcast command. And then underneath that is a big oval donate button. Click on it and, um, you know, you, you can donate whatever you want. Uh, also, you don't have to donate anything. Just subscribe to the Bob Davis podcasts on iTunes. It really helps the feeds. And if there's something I care about, that's probably it is getting more feeds. And uh, that's about it. Just listen and, uh, and take it in. And thanks for listening and subscribing and finding the Bob Davis podcast at iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and so forth. So again, not defending nomads. Um, this is these are my people. First of all, second of all, this is the place. This is where I am. I'm in the nomad world, uh, and it feels like a dream world most of the time. And I'm going to say something that's going to you know people are going to go oh you you know there he goes again defending nomads. I I honestly feel that 
while it feels like a dream world out here, if you're looking for a, a, a shambolic walk, um, it is back in the world where people are imprisoned, generally speaking, and this is really not a criticism, but it, but it is, doing what they feel they have to do to maintain a certain standard uh, that is that they've become used to and many people do not have the courage unless they're forced into it to do something that they really want to do it doesn't have to be being a nomad it can be moving to texas it can be uh moving to montana it can be you know i want always wanted to be a farmer um it can be opening a bar in the caribbean or buying a sailboat you know whatever your thing is many people hold off from doing that thing until it's too late or they do it when they and they will have and we all have had this experience i should have done this years ago feeling and that's something that i perceived and i do talk a lot about and i defend because i think people today especially are living in a uh, a computer simulation or a game you know we'll say it's not intentional it's just the result of being trapped in a world uh where your you, your television is always on um your uh your experience of the world is limited to your street and your place and where you go and uh that's it and i think it it requires either either a traumatic experience in life or or real strength to be able to say you know what i'm going to open a bar in the caribbean i don't care this is what I'm going to do. I don't care if it works. I've always wanted to own a bar in the Caribbean. This is what I'm going to do. And they and they do it. There's a lot of people out here who are forced into this, but they're fighting. If they weren't here, they'd be stuck at their at their mother's house or at their friend's house in the back in the garage or something to that effect. But they're out here in a car or an old RV or whatever it is because they're fighting for something. They're fighting even though they might be broken, they are fighting. And that, to me, is um, is really a big deal. The fact that these people, no matter what their situation is, and, and when we get into economics and we get into uh, how people take uh, economic podcasts that I do about the economy and predicting what might be happening or talking about what might be happening, they take it the wrong way and they judge other people that are doing this or that either the van life people with uh, the van mom and dad bought them and they're out here or the people that are in tents or the people that are in uh, uh, minivans whatever those people are fighting for something even if they're just retired and they're out in their minivan traveling around they're at least fighting for something they're not just sitting doing whatever they do they're out fighting and i i admire that so if it sounds like I'm defending those people, yeah, because I think a lot of people think, well, that person's a washout. They're just out there in the desert or wherever in their minivan, you know, pooping at a bucket and eating out of a can like in that movie. And they don't know anything about it. I see people who are, who are uh, you know, very strong and getting stronger and fighting hard for something even if they're broken. And there's a lot of broken people. I might be one of them. I'm not sure. I don't think I am, but you never know. No one ever does. <laughs> no one ever thinks they're the one that's broken. So uh, I said at, after uh, I, I, uh, I was sort of re responding a little bit to John and, and reading and thinking about what he said, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back and look at the content because I haven't done that. 
you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I am doing that. And I, I went back and it was like, no, I don't think so. So if you go back over the last five or six podcasts or further back, uh, yeah, there's some self-indulgent, uh, you know, the celebrating two years as a nomad, uh, you know, other things that, that the fairly self-indulgent content. And if you have been listening to the podcast, maybe you're sick of that. There's a lot of podcasts where I'm sitting over a fire, you know, because that's what I do. Uh, every night I have a fire and I sit out there and when the wind dies down and I have a fire. And sometimes I do podcasts out there. Sometimes I do podcasts while I'm cleaning the truck, you know, whatever it is. But what has been the content? And I, and I will just say a couple of things. First of all, I do not do political content. And I feel, that, unfortunately, I haven't talked about this in a while because I don't want to repeat myself. I will not do political content because it's reached the point where the conversation that people are having about politics has nothing to do with policy, has nothing to do with legislation, has nothing to do uh, with how uh, the president, whoever the president is, is conducting their business on a day-to-day basis or uh, who the Speaker of the House is or uh, anything else. It is about people who are uh, arguing about what somebody said or somebody's this or somebody's that, and there's just no point and no quote-unquote percentage in even discussing it. I will walk away from a political discussion, generally speaking. I'll engage a little bit, but not nowhere near the level I could engage if I wanted to. And I could tell stories about that, but I won't. Because again, people take it the wrong way. They, they, because what they're looking for immediately is they're looking for uh, advocacy. They either want you to advocate their point of view or they want to know if you're advocating some other point of view as though that means anything. None of it means a damn thing. Because if you're not in elected office or a, uh, you know, an, you know, working as a staff member for someone who has been elected to office, in other words, they have an election certificate and a voting card at some legislature, or they're an executive, a governor, or a president, what's the point? So I won't talk about it. The other reason I don't talk about, and you'd say, oh, well, what about other news events? Yeah, I, I look at the news every day, and I used to read 500 pages of news every day and do radio shows about what was going on in the world, and none of it means a damn thing either. And the other reason I don't do that is because... Uh, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with YouTube channels and podcasts who sit there and go, you know, well, here's what's going on in the world and here's what I think about it. No one cares what I think about what's going on in the world. I do the podcasts for myself. If you want to listen to them, great. I'm not doing them, you know, this is an artistic business. I'm not doing them to get clients. I've long left that. If I have clients, I appreciate my clients. I love my clients. They're great. But I'm not out here trying to get A, likes and shares and b trying to find people to sponsor the podcast you want to sponsor if you want to help if you want to contribute you know what to do and i'll tell you at the end of the podcast if you don't so i will not and as a long-standing strategy i will not discuss politics and i will not do day-to-day news and i because you don't care what i think about um you know something that happens occasionally it comes up in a podcast and that's fine i'll say hey i read this story that da 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 to do but i don't do you know uh when i used to do talk radio it's like hour one segment one we're going to talk about this hour two segment two we're going to talk about this and i would have it all planned out and i'd have 500 pages of show prep and 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 writing the show 
I'm not, I don't do that because that's not what this is and that's not podcasting. I am interested and have been interested in the economic picture and I'm especially proud of my economic content. People, t and what's interesting to me is some people take it as an opportunity to judge other people doing the nomad thing um, as somehow less than them. I mean, somebody in a tent wants to talk about how we're all going we're all going to end up in tents because the 2023 is going to be an economic bloodbath which you know i don't disagree that 2023 is going to be difficult economically but i'm proud of those economic podcasts because going back to january of last year so january of 21 well january of, of 22 so it's december of 22 so basically a, almost a full year when the inflation situation started, I began to sort of amass and analyze economic data and did a series of podcasts in March and February about where we're headed and why and what's causing the inflation. Because I heard so many things that I flatly disagreed with about economics. And I, I spaced those out because I didn't want to do one after the other. But it was essentially a series of economic podcasts. And it culminated in uh, one or two podcasts in the last month or so about, uh, gee, it looks like I was relatively prescient about the uh, economic situation. It just didn't happen as quickly as I thought it would. I did those for everyone. I did them for nomads. Uh because I honestly do think that doing this, again, not trying to defend nomad life, just saying we don't expose ourselves to the stresses of, of uh, inflation or in the future deflation the way people back home do. Because we don't have we don't have to defend our mortgage. We don't have to defend, you know, the taxes we pay. We don't have to defend three or four car payments and so forth. We're out here and we're less exposed to the stresses as, as some people would be. And I think it's a less stressful life as a result. There are certainly stressors, but nothing to the degree of having to make mortgage payments you can't afford because you lay awake at night thinking, you know, I can't do this. I think those podcasts were very helpful and I'm proud of them. And I, I, I'm proud of the content primarily because it was prescient. But then I looked at some of the other stuff I did. I talked about, um, you know, uh, winter celebrations and their role uh, in our lives as human beings. I talked about this feeling as though we're sitting on a, a volcano that's about to erupt, which was really about the sociology of economics. I talked about um, the, the roller coaster uh, being almost at that point where it begins to descend those are uh, those are podcasts that describe a social situation as well as an economic situation. They're not political, and and I uh, I'm reluctant to do more because I was afraid I was going to get complaints about the economic stuff, and I'm getting complaints about the the nomad stuff from my friend John and maybe others. I don't know. So yeah, uh, you know I I I don't interview people. I don't record quirky sounds. I don't. Uh, sit around with people uh, and guffaw and laugh about stuff because I find that tedious. What I do do is I think, you know, and this is for me, I'm saying this is what I think I do. I do heavy stuff. I talk about heavy internal processes and, and, and right now it's, it's about a quarter of my mind because I'm writing and that particular uh, project 
is requiring a lot of me psychically and energetically and emotionally. It's it's very difficult to to write about some of the things I'm writing about, and you're on this up and down, uh, emotional quote unquote roller coaster every day, and then you're like, I got to do a podcast. So sometimes they are sort of not even uh, top of mind, or they're not as emotional as I mean. This one has I've been triggered a little bit, but thank you, John, because I've been triggered a little bit to respond to this view uh, that he has about a quote-unquote, uh, you know, uh, sameness. In a sense, I'm kind of happy because that kind of means that um, uh, that my definition of what I'm doing is pretty strong, that it, uh, it stays, it doesn't stray too far from... Uh, playing rock music let's say or or uh, playing you know r&b if i'm an r&b radio station so it, i'm def i'm defining myself as a as a nomad podcaster and that's good uh but you know you, you've got to be open to criticism when it comes and not get defensive and and i'm telling myself you know you you don't care but i'm just saying me i have to be uh uh open to uh to criticism and then think about it and, and and i gotta tell you i i couldn't disagree more <laughs> i think that the content while it is set in this nomad experience uh it is it is not it is not the same content every podcast there's a lot variance there's a lot of variance of content when it comes to the economic thing the spiritual sense of of uh, christmas holidays or uh the winter celebrations and of course, when I'm moving, uh, then when I'm traveling, there's more content because I'm moving around and going to different places and I can talk about that experience. Sitting in the desert is a different thing from, uh, from traveling around constantly, as I have done. In other words, barnstorming, whether it's going to Bonneville or uh, uh, you know, going to Colorado or you know, camping in the San Juan Mountains or what, whatever it is that I've done or want to do going, going forward. So, thank you, John, and I, I hope that I hope the content isn't tedious. And I'm I'm more worried about the economic content being tedious because it's so dense. And to me, it's to me that's not that makes me happy. You know, when people are like, you, somebody said to me, um, uh, "Hey, you know, your podcast about the that scared me because I'm worried now. I'm worried, and I wasn't worried before. And it's like I didn't do it to worry people. I didn't do it to um, make people feel bad. I did it because forewarned is forearmed. Uh, if you know a little bit more about why things are happening and, and perhaps where they're trending, again, the caveat is always, it might not be as bad as we think. It might be worse, but uh, it's just, this is what's going on. Th that's the intention. And because things, very dense and heavy things like that, really they really engage me mentally and that's why i i talk about them because i'm i get excited about that stuff i do not get excited about arguing about republicans and democrats you know i don't get excited about people vote counting votes i don't care i don't care about somebody's computer i just don't care and those are not to me that's just part of the computer simulation back home as i always say so there you go that is, uh, you know, that is uh, some content triggered by some criticism, which may or may not be well-deserved. Uh, <laughs> be quiet! <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast, Podcast 1081. No, I am not defending no man life, but I am kind of. Well, I roll in a tumble, I cry the whole night long.